0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's
1: up, y'all? I'm Alan Kenny, host of the Blayton Homerism Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It's time for the Red River Showdown, which means it's also time for our annual check in with ESPN's Beaumonty Jones, host of the Right Time Podcast, to get the perspective from the Texas side of things. Let's go ahead and get to it. All right, let's welcome on ESPN's Beaumonty Jones. Bo, what's going on, man?
0: Hey man, just trying not to guess this stuff.
1: <laughs> Tell me about it, man. I mean, you now you told me that uh you uh you broke the forty barrier, right?
0: yes i did i have i have no longer young as i I tell people i know they do list for 40 under 40 they don't do them for 50 under 50.
1: (laughs) i know man i broke it last year and i'll tell you man yeah it makes you definitely a little bit more concerned too about catching this bug man
0: yes yes no everything is real man like nothing can be ignored at all
1: yeah absolutely well speaking of which um are you surprised that, uh, well, we're going to talk, of course, we're going to talk about the uh, Red River Showdown here in a little bit, but let's be honest, man, there's not that much to talk about with this year's game. <laughs> so instead, man, I, I want to talk just a little bit first about uh, some stuff that you wrote uh, in a Vanity Fair piece earlier this year. Uh, I was a uh, you know, special edition uh, in Vanity Fair that was uh, edited by Ta-Nehisi Coates. The whole thing is really fantastic. But uh, I, I want to ask, first off, are you surprised that colleges are playing football right now?
0: Yes, I did not think that there would be a season because I just simply thought it would be too unwieldy to try to get this done. But I did not think of this in the proper context, which was they're just going to try to play literally as many games as they can. Like the intel that I was getting through the summer was that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in particular didn't want to do this and that after they said they weren't going to do this, you were probably going to see movement for the other conferences and just say, like, now nah, we're not going to do this. They were like, what, are you crazy? Nah, we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they went ahead and they pushed through it. And I, I mean, what well, was it, Houston that had like three straight games canceled?
1: Yeah, right? yeah. And
0: not And none of them because of their own team. Right I just didn't think that i I did not think that this was possible or that it would be good sense, but um apparently that was not what anybody was concerned with,
1: yeah, you know it's funny uh back right you know in like middle august once uh, the teams that were that started practicing i mean. You know, Lincoln Riley, I, I think that the word that he got, you know, when the Big Ten, when it came out that the Big Ten was probably going to cancel. I mean, I think that, you know, I think he was gave the impression to his team. Yeah, we're probably not going to have a season this year. And then all and sends him home for a week. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, nope, check that. We're going to be playing here in two weeks. You know, I uh, need you guys back. And, you know, half the team comes back with the uh, coronavirus. You know, it's just yeah, the whole thing has just been such a mess.
0: Yeah, I, I think the part that I misunderstood was the financial gravity of not playing. Like I obviously understood how much money there was in playing, but I really don't know how many of these programs would have been able to push through without playing. Like they need this money in a way – like I think the best way that I put it is, and I understand it's easy like to lean on Craven Greed as an explanation in these cases – But it's one thing to simply need the money; it's another thing to need to pay bills. Right, and a lot of these schools need to pay pay bills. And there's also a somewhat cruel irony um, when you consider how much long-term debt a lot of these programs have for stadium expansions for stadiums that may never be full again.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. I mean, this whole thing is going to change the the entire game watching experience. Just. I mean, more than it already was. You know, already uh, in such flux, but. Um, you know, this ties in, I think, to what you were writing about, though, this summer with, you know, athletes and power. And, you know, you, you say, the spe- speaking of the power of college athletes is convenient and intoxicating. There's something thrilling about the idea of young people coming into their own and nobility in the thought of children making their own worlds better. The narrative is also dangerous. The dynamics of an unpaid labor force asked to use their fragile bodies to generate revenue for ubiquitous institutions make power impossible. Power doesn't remain unpaid. Power doesn't have to scream online for change. Power doesn't plead for respect. Have Through this whole process, have college athletes become more or less empowered, in your opinion?
0: I think that one could make an argument at this point that they have actually become less empowered. Because one thing that we got to see with, you know, what happened with the Pac-12. And I thought that they made a real strong play when they, you know, said what they wanted. And then, of course, the, the conference itself came back and was like, yeah, we're just not going to play, right? Then the conference came back and said, nope, we are going to play. And with a couple of exceptions, like uh, Javon Holland and Panay Sewell at yeah. uh, Oregon, who are two of the best players in the country, they decided they weren't going to play. These guys wanted to come back. Like the, the one the one thing that the schools have over them, is these guys want to play football and there is no adequate substitute for them as it stands for the playing football and so the pac said they were going to come back and you ain't heard a word about the demands and the things that the players wanted they got daily testing and they were like okay cool we'll be safe to play football let's go yeah, um, yeah. and I don't think in terms of like empowerment as it goes down the line that ain't a good look and, you know, like at least if I'm the schools, they seem to understand that they have the power because they have the football fields, they have the competition, they have the thing these guys have been conditioned to do for a significant portion of their lives. And so nothing that we saw transpire, like the state of affairs in college sports as it relates to the well-being of the athletes, nothing is different right now than it was in June.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think about it. Like you mentioned, I mean, in a lot of cases, you had players basically begging these conferences to start playing up again. I mean, the stuff that was going on in the Big Ten, you know?
0: Oh, dude, the Big Ten. Everything in the Big Ten was comedy to me. Yeah. Just the oh, totality yeah. of it, because like the way it became political was interesting just because the Midwest has a lot of swing states. Yeah. Um, and I And I do wonder in this, If Ohio State, like, let's say that this happened in 2010, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, is it 2010? 2011. 2011. Trestle's been fired.
1: Yeah. Ohio State's looking
0: like it's going to be a six win team. Does it go this way? Right. Like, does it it play out in the way that it did under those circumstances? Because Ohio State, one, has one of its best teams ever in terms of, and just strictly in terms of talent, and two, a new president. Yeah. If those things, you know, if those things aren't the case, does it play the way it did in the Big 10? Because again, don't forget that vote was like 11 to 3. Like it wasn't like it, it, was, it, was, it was split. It was like 11-3, to 3 and then the heat came largely from the state of Ohio, and then they got enough players who were on board with it to help push the message, and then all of a sudden it turned into a problem. And then they had the new commissioner, right? And then everybody put the blame on the commissioner, knowing damn well that it was the presidents that wound up voting. And then next thing you know, they go find a super magic testing program, and they're going to come back, which led to the question, why, like, why weren't you looking for this super magical testing program before? Because for me, if you could find a Way to do it safely you should go ahead and do it but apparently they didn't look that hard like i don't know
1: yeah yeah it's not like this this technology was that revolutionary i mean like i think people knew about it you know probably back in the spring even so yeah um but uh you know i guess the other thing too though that was odd to me too is seeing like you know Trevor Lawrence kind of being hailed as this hero when imagine if the players had like an actual union and you had one guy out there doing the whole like you know uh, let us play type thing I mean golly the whole thing was just so fascinating to watch play out
0: yeah and listen to people like hey the players say they want to play I guess they should play if the players say they want to get paid no ain't nobody trying to hear that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely man alright well I guess we got to talk about this game uh it seems like every time man we uh we're talking about OU Texas the it, it, a lot kind of hinges on the uh coaching staff on the uh Texas side of the ball here. I kind of I kind of think Texas is going to win this week just simply because Tom Herman needs to win this game badly in my opinion.
0: And he's good at the need to win this one or nobody's given us a chance, yeah. right? Like that is his bag he did it at houston he's done it at texas like like the dial it up game he can give it to you and you know they don't mess around and lose the navy right right? like after the fact but like this is well within the wheelhouse of what we expect from tom herman and he does this because if you look at that schedule that they're you know that they've got to play this year after this one was tricky for him is not so much that the rest of the games aren't winnable. It's that they should win all of them, which means which one, if he loses that one, is like, nope, we've had enough of this. Like, that to me is the place that he winds up in on this one. Like, they got to play December 5th at Kansas State, and that's been a bit of a house of horrors for Texas since they came into the conference. Mm -hmm. You lose that one, man. You're out of here. Lose at home Thanksgiving week to Iowa State. I don't know how he winds up surviving that one because as much as people can talk about the financial situation of the pandemic, let me tell you Texas always got money for football, right? Like they can always pass the hat and get somebody to get Tom Herman out of there if they so decide that they want Tom Herman out of there. So like if they lose this one, then after that I think he's on notice. One one bad loss and it's a wrap.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by cars dot com. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just the thing of it is, too, is, you know, one thing that I wrote about before the season is, you know, it wasn't necessarily OU's team that I was worried about so much. It's just I mean, this is just a weird situation, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you never know half the time. You don't know who's going to be out there for your team, whatnot like and there are so many good coaches in the Big 12 That you know, I mean, oh, you shouldn't be losing to a team like Kansas State or Iowa State, but damn, if if they, I mean, Matt Campbell, Chris Klein, I mean, those are really good coaches who can drop a game plan that will give you fits for four quarters. If you're not, you know, if you and you know, it's just, I don't know if you have that in other in other leagues.
0: No, that's a great point because the thing that for me is ultimately damning about Herman is that. He's just another coach in the Big 12, right? Like, no matter what you think of him as a coach, he is not at all special in the context of his conference. He's not at all special in the context of the Big 12 because there are so many guys that can cook one up, right? Yeah. Like, oh, man, like, okay, this, this this, is the one week where we got to get it done. There's so many of them. Like, we're ultimately going to find out about Aranda and what kind of coach he is. But Aranda was the highest-paid assistant coach in America, a yeah. defensive coach in America, before he came on and he took this job. And that's going to be a thing for everybody, especially in a conference that has so much – Offensive firepower. And Oklahoma's in a place where, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I just can't think of the last time they had a quarterback with as little experience as Rattler has. Like, is, are we going back to Beaumont? Is that the last oh, time God, that they had yeah. a quarterback with, like, this little experience? Cause, and I guess I guess you could say um, Sam Bradford when he was a redshirt freshman. I guess that would maybe be the maybe, only yeah. one. But, but as talented as Rattler is, it's a lot to ask him to be Sam Bradford.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, on top of that, I mean, putting you know, like they don't have much of a running game right now. I mean, they're putting a lot on. It. I mean, he can spin it. I mean, he's he is good, but you're right in this, and he's he makes just decisions that you know you expect you know, kind of younger quarterbacks to make, thinking that he can make throws that he probably shouldn't. You know, I mean. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the going to be the interesting part of uh, watching how Riley handles this. And I mean, you know, some of what Rattler does, you know, I mean, it came back to bite him, you know, in the in their first couple games there. So, uh, but you know, I mean, it has got a got a bright future. But yeah, it's a it's definitely a learning process
0: right now. Um, well, how are you guys feeling about your defensive coordinator by the way? Like that's always a little bit of a sore spot for you guys. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean. I mean, Texas. When the only thing I can say about Texas defensive coordinators, they hired the guy from Ruggers. That's never a great. Like that's yeah. never what you want to hear. And yeah. guess what? They out there looking like Ruggers. So, yeah. like, I think yeah. this is defensive coordinator is always, especially in this conference, is the person for everybody to hate.
1: Right, and you know, oh yeah, Grinch is already hearing it, man. You know, I and it's it's just I don't know. You know, everybody keeps talking about uh, you know looking for this magic formula. Is there one like? I mean, the offenses in this league are so strong. And then on top of that, if you build, you know, to stop, say, like a, an air raid like Oklahoma, well, then all of a sudden you got to turn around one week and there'll be a Kansas State that pounds you or Iowa State does the same thing. It's just, it's brutal.
0: Well, also, think about this. When time was up for Venables at Oklahoma, I mean, it was up, right? Yeah. Like, it was time for him to go. There hasn't been a moment that Kansas, I mean that Clemson, has not thanked its lucky stars that it has Brent Venables. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's how hard it is to be a defensive coordinator in the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, and I try to explain that to people when they're like, "Oh, well, why did OU push out Venables?" It's like you weren't watching when they were getting, you know, uh, when like that 2008 Red River game. I mean, when Texas is just running up and down the field on them, I mean. It's just a tough, tough league to survive in, man. You don't have to do that other places, but... uh, Manny
0: Diaz. Yeah, another one, right. It's taken me... I mean, it's seven years later... But I can't wash the impression of a Manny Diaz defense off of me after what happened to him in Provo when one-legged Taysom Hill got him fired, right? I remember (laughs) watching those awful defenses. Now, granted, I thought that the Diaz defense is the biggest problems with tackling and fundamentals. But still, that's a dude where everywhere, only at Texas do you feel the way about Manny Diaz that we do all the other places he's been. They're like, no, nah, we like that guy.
1: Right. I mean, they're, they all are, Oh, he's an innovator. You know, he's doing all the X, Y, and Z. Everybody's watching what he's doing at these clinics in the office. And it's just, man, I don't know. They're just, it's just rough, man. It's just rough. But are you feeling pretty good about, uh, about where the Longhorns stand though, at a vis this game?
0: I mean, if you think they need a new coach, what do you do? And that's where I am. <laughs> I think they need a new coach. Yeah. So 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 what exactly do I do? And look the thing the difference between Herman and Strong, and this is before we even get to performance, where I think it'd be fair to say that Herman's teams have definitely performed better um than Strong's teams have. But there are more people who want this to work with Herman than there were who wanted it to work with Strong. And it's not that there weren't people. like The president absolutely wanted it to work with Strong. I think the AD wanted to work with Strong. Like I think there were people who did want it. But everywhere else, there weren't people who so much wanted it to work with him in the ways that I think that people wanted to work with Herman. People want to give him the benefit of the doubt when they can't afford it to him. The problem is it's year four now, Yeah. and now this is all you like this is your team what you got and if it ain't getting done in year four please keep in mind the only coach to be fired before the end of his fifth season at texas post royal um is charlie strong Right. right so herman generally would get five years except if this doesn't go right this year i just can't see any way that they can bring him back and so is there cause for optimism is the problem on defense strictly coaching or is the problem on defense talent? And either way it goes, it's not a good look for Herman. If the problem is talent, you should have had that part fixed by now. Um, and you did not inherit a bear covered on defense. Let's not forget that part either. If the problem is coaching, you went and brought this guy in.
1: Right. Right. And this is your second. I mean, your second regime. You know. I mean, he he picked all the uh, coaches coming in there. You know, it wasn't uh, wasn't like inheriting Mike Stoops as your defensive coordinator. You know.
0: No, <laughs> yeah. no, and at least like with Mike. I mean, you understand why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like at least there's that part. You at least understand why. And as I recall, when time was up for Mike, like he owned it and he did like he comported himself in a way that made me understand why it is that you would be so reluctant to let go of him. You know what I mean? Like, like, I could see why that would be a guy, aside from the fact that he's Bob's brother, that you might want to hold on to in such a way. Herman, like, what has there been to feel good about with any of this? What has there been to feel And I, and I don't see it. And look, they got a quarterback. They went from having a quarterback for 16 straight years to not having a quarterback for like eight straight years. And they ain't got the best quarterback in the world, but they have a quarterback, and it still doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. 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 That's it's a, uh, it's a sad state of affairs, man. I don't know. I mean, cause the thing is, is like, you know, I joke around and it, I mean, I'm no, you fan. I, watching Texas be miserable does have, does, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it does. It, I, I do take some pleasure in that, but at the same time, man, like this rivalry when it's good, when both teams are really good, I mean, it is so good, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. And by the way, Miserable Oklahoma, which really hasn't happened very much um, in the last 20 years. But when OU has been not up to snuff, those same years, Texas has been really good. All right? (laughs) Oklahoma not being up to snuff, I can't even really do anything with that. You know, because Texas (laughs) is worse. Yeah. Like there's there's no there's no way that he can go like at least last week Texas lost that game then a And M got their doors blown yeah. off yeah and then um you know and then also Oklahoma lost right thank you I needed that I earned <laughs> that I deserve that because rarely do you get a chance to like be happy at OU misery it just it just doesn't it just doesn't go down and you know we've talked about this so many times. There's no excuse for Oklahoma to be on a different tier as a program than Texas is. Like any Texas fan who denies that is crazy. They are not in the same class of being programs, and for the better part of the last 50 years have not been in the same class of program. It's mind-blowing. It's inexplicable in some ways. And comes down to want to. Oklahoma wants to be good at football in a way that Texas has never truly been able to figure out. But when they're both really, really good and you go in and you're like, oh, man, I have no idea which team is going to win this. And I feel like, oh, wait, was the first time in recent memory that it really felt like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. yo, I think either of these teams could win this game.
1: Yeah, no, it's it does uh, get better. Yeah, oh no, it's fantastic, man. It's fantastic. Well, Bo, I've taken up enough of your time, man. Uh, everything going well though? I mean, you know, you're healthy and all that. Everything's still going well with ESPN.
0: Yeah, no, it's good, man. It's you know, when you go from doing a TV show every day to kind of just jumping in, you know, where you yeah. can get in, it's a little bit different. Um, but generally, man, we're getting things done. Um, I've been able to do some cool projects. I got another one coming up that I can't quite talk about, but it'll be out, I believe, in November, December. Um, there's a little outside thing that's going to be good. So I'm finding ways to keep myself busy and New York hasn't gotten deathly cold yet. Like we'll, yeah. we'll find out how I'm really doing when that happens.
1: Ooh, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. well, thanks a lot, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy this. This is my favorite show I do every year, man. so oh, oh, I gotta ask you real quick. Last year, everybody loved the uh book recommendation, the uh Barry Gordy book. you got anything uh anything new we should be checking out?
0: Oh man, let me think' cause i have I've gone through some pretty good ones. uh, I've actually slowed down on the reading since I got home because I used to read on the train.
1: Yeah. no. And so, like,
0: my my rhythm of reading is a bit thrown off. But you know what I'm going to do? I am going to pull up my Amazon account right now just so I can remember what it is because I'm at that point in my life where I need to, like, look these things
1: up. Yeah, yeah. I got, like, yeah, <laughs> lists everywhere. Yeah, I got you.
0: Yeah, like, I, I need to see what it is that I've read. Oh, this is a good one that I think people will enjoy um brown-eyed handsome man is a bio on chuck berry that i really really enjoyed it was a fascinating um insight into him and the times and everything else so i definitely recommend checking that one out
1: all right all right brown-eyed handsome man chuck berry got it all right fantastic all right folks well uh thanks again bo man i really do appreciate it
0: hey no problem man you guys be good
1: All right. All right. Thanks again to our guest, Bomani Jones, and thanks to you all for joining us too. For the Blatant Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.